Well, we've been starting off this uh, summer series at St. Mark that we have been calling Why. And in case you were wondering why we're in this series called Why, um, it's not just because we love like asking deep and introspective and kind of tough questions. It actually uh, has a lot more to do with uh, why we think we're here as a church. Because here at St. Mark, we believe that church exists for a couple of reasons, that church is a place for a couple of things, questions, answers, and mystery. We believe that church is a place, first and foremost, for the questions of our heart, where we can ask kind of the deepest questions that we have, questions like, God, where did I come from? Like, what's my story? What's my value here? God, who am I? Like, what is my identity? Who am I supposed to be? And God, like, what is my purpose? What are you calling me to do? Where are you calling me to go? And, and church is a place where all those questions, we want to ask them. And, and praise God, church is also a place where we believe we can answer a lot of those deep questions. We believe with the help of the scriptures, with the promises of Jesus, that we can actually have uh, answers to our value, our identity, our purpose in Christ Jesus. That our job as Christians is to know Jesus and to make him known. Church is a place for questions. It's a place for answers. And it's also a place for mystery. And some of the mysteries of God are, are, are beautiful mysteries, right? Things we don't understand, like baptism. We had a baptism earlier. That's a beautiful mystery. But some of the mysteries of God are just confusing and kind of gut-wrenching, right? And these are the sort of mysteries, the questions we have that we don't have easy answers to. Even when we look at the scriptures, there are, there are some things that we just don't know about God. There's some things that we just don't quite understand about ourselves either. For example, the last couple of weeks, we, we've been asking these questions. We said, God, like, why did you even allow sin in the first place? Like, why is evil allowed to exist in this world? It's pretty mysterious, right? And, and last week, we kind of asked the question of ourselves, God, like, even though I'm a Christian and I want to do the right things, I want to do um, good by you, like, I still struggle with sin. God, why is that? And this morning, I think we're going to ask a question that all of us have asked before, and really that kind of everybody has asked, uh, whether you're a Christian or not. This is a question I think every person has asked, and it's this. Why does God say no to good things? Why does God say no to things that, that either just kind of seem good or actually are good? And depending on whether you're a Christian or not, right, you might ask this question differently. If, if you're not a Christian, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're not like, like a church person, right, you might ask the question this way. You say, God, why do you say no to the things that seem good to me? God, why do you say no to the things that the culture, that, that, that I are, are tempted to say yes to, right? If, if you're not a Christian or you have friends that aren't Christians, the, the church, the reputation that we have is kind of just the people who say no all the time. Like the people who are kind of like sticks in the, in the mud were the ones who say no to certain definitions of marriage, uh, no to certain things happening outside of marriage. And, and here's probably the biggest of them. We say no to like other faiths, like, like no to people who, who are trying to find different ways to God outside of the gospel, outside of Jesus Christ. We believe he is the one way, the one truth and the life. And if, and if you're trying to get to God or to eternity in a different way, you're just not going to get there. And if you're a non-Christian, you ask God the honest question, like, like, why do you say no to the things that seem good to us? Especially when the people who are, who are kind of doing the things that you say no to, why are you saying no to them when they seem happy and when they seem like they're not hurting anybody? 
Like, can't God, can't the church, can't Christianity just, like, leave these poor people alone and, like, let them live their life? Like, like why do we have to be the sticks in the mud and just say no to everything? And the answer to that question, according to the scriptures, it's not a popular one, um, but it's also not a difficult one either. It's just that there are, that there are some things, quite a few things, actually, that, that seem good to us, but they're actually not good for us. There, there are a lot of desires that we have that, that seem really good in our eyes, really, really appealing, and, and God says that's actually not good for you. And, and the reason why is it's just not the way God set it up. God had a plan when he created the heavens and the earth. He had a plan when he created you and me and our bodies and, and everything we do. And when we walk out of step with that plan, God's like, no, dude, you need to get back on track. And that's, that's, that's just not going to cut any ice with somebody who, who doesn't believe in Jesus. And, and when we get that, 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 that is a mystery of the faith to somebody who is outside of the faith. But even if you're inside the faith, there's still a couple of mysteries with God, right? Right? Uh, maybe you're a single person in your early 20s, and you've heard all your life that marriage is a good thing. You've heard that marriage is a good thing because God instituted marriage a certain way, and Proverbs 18.22 puts it like this, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Even this finds favor from the Lord. Ladies, I think it's, it's possible to flip that verse around and say, hey, even he who finds like a, like a husband, like it's also, it's okay, but the scripture says he who finds a wife finds a really good thing. And so if you're a single person, you chase after that. You chase after the good thing that God says is good for you. And so maybe you have kind of like a circle of friends. You try to date some people or, or, or you're swiping right on the apps, right? Because that's the thing to do. You, you get into a relationship that, that works out for a little while and then falls apart. You get into a relationship that was just totally bad for you all the way from the beginning and just ended like, again, could not be me. But like, you, you just, it just happens to you. And then, then like wedding season comes around. Wedding season comes around in the summer and then you go to these weddings and you, and you see all of your friends who are just so in love with each other. These friends who are just kind of holding hands and staring at each other so lovingly, and you, and you look at God and you're like, okay, you said yes to them. Why haven't you said yes to me? Like, you said this was good, not me, and then you told me to chase after it, and now you're just saying no. Like, like what gives, God? Or maybe you did find your person. Maybe you found your person pretty early on in life, and, and now you're looking to start a family. Why? Because God says from the very beginning, family is good. Psalm 127, verse 3, puts it like this. Children, believe it or not, are a good gift from the Lord. If you've got teenagers, this is like even harder to believe, but this is what the scriptures say. Children are a gift from the Lord, and this, a reward from him. They're really good gifts from the Lord. And so maybe you got married, and you're trying to get the finances all worked out, right? Because it takes money to have kids, but then you try for kids, and you try for kids, and you try for kids, and you both end up looking at each other like, this is harder than we thought it was going to be. And so you go into a doctor, and they tell you some things that you can try, and you try those things, and th those things don't really work for you. And, and then you talk to some friends, you're like, hey, like, is this a normal thing, a common thing? And, and actually, it's like a very common thing, which makes it even more mysterious, right? And, and you're thinking, okay, maybe natural birth, it's not the way for us, right? So you go to an adoption agency and you're sitting at home with a coffee table filled with paperwork and bureaucracy, and you're just kind of hanging your heads like, how in the world is this so complicated? You're going on a walk with your spouse, and see, you see a lot of other kids just kind of playing on the playground, going to school with their parents. You're like, okay, God said yes to them, but what about us? 
It feels like God is saying no to you, but not just no to you, but no to the good thing that he told you to chase after you. You're like, God, what gives? Or maybe you found your person and you've got kids. You've kind of got the, the Christian family starter pack going and you're, and you're raising your kids hopefully the right way. You're, you're trying to bring them to church. Maybe you even put them in a Christian school, right? And now you're just looking forward to the good life. And now you and your person, you're just looking forward to retirement. Why? Because believe it or not, Proverbs 16, 31 says this, gray hair is a crown of glory. <laughs> Some of y'all are tucking that away. I'll give you time to write it down, all right? It is gained, get this, no, but it is gained, God says, by living a good life. God says, hey, if, if, if you make it through this life, right, right, if you've got a long years, like long life, like that's a good thing, that is a gift, that is grace from God. So you chase after that good life, don't you? Right, you, you work to give that good life to your kids, but you also work to give that good life to yourself, so you're working that nine to five. You're working that seven to five or even that seven to seven, putting in countless hours at work, but also making the basketball games, also making the piano recitals, trying to be a good parent, a good spouse. And, and then you go into the doctor one afternoon and they're running some tests on you, just like normal tests that you're supposed to get. They get the results and they're like, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't look good. And they run some more tests again, right? Because you got to be sure. And then, then they look back like, oh, that's really not good for you. And you go home to your wife and your kids, and you're just like so confused. Like, hold on, like, I thought cancer was supposed to happen at 75 or 85, not 45, not 35. And there's this kind of fear that then lingers over you, but more than fear, it's just this confusion of like, how did this even happen? Like, I tried to give a good life to my family, I tried to live a good life, and I tried to say yes to God as much as possible, and now he's saying no to me. Like, like what gives? He's not just saying no to me. He's saying no to the good thing that he says is good. And that's the mystery. That's the mystery of God's no that we want to try to, to address this morning. And I'll be honest, guys, we can't answer this, this fully, but we're going to try to address this faithfully. Why? Because you know it and I know it. When we hear a no from God, it hurts. When you hear a no from anybody, it hurts. But you think a no from your kids, a no from your spouse, a no from your boss is bad. Like, you know this. The, the no's from God just feel that much more painful, right? Because when God says no to you, you feel like a couple of things have got to be happening. Either God is rejecting you or he's neglecting you. When God says no to you, you feel like God has either set his face against you and he's just opposed to you. He doesn't like you. Or like he's just turned his back on you altogether. And he's not listening to your prayers. And you think to yourself, like, what, what gives God? This, this pain, it hurts, it's real, and it's, and it's confusing. And this pain, it always causes problems for us. The, the pain that we have, it always causes problems. And, and the pain that we feel from rejection from God, it often leads us to reject God often leads us to reject God in a couple of ways. Either we rebel against him or we run away from him. You think to yourself, okay, God, you're, you're turning your face against me. Well, buddy, I can play that game too. I will set my face against you. I'm going to become anti-God. Not just anti-God, but anti-faith, anti-church, anti-Christians, anti-church people. I'm going to look for every single opportunity to, to expose it and to mock it and to ridicule it. Why? Because these people are just so, so foolish. 
And I know that is extreme. I know that's extreme, but it's real. And, and even if you're not the person who, who rejects God, maybe you just run away from him. And it won't even feel like running away. It'll just kind of feel like you're walking away from him when he says no. You think, God, you turned your back on me. God, I've prayed enough prayers to you. I've had enough disappointment. I've heard enough no's from you to know that this is just not going to go my way. So I'm going to try to go my own way and, and, and do my own thing. That rejection from God, it often leads us to reject God. And, and, and I'm saying this, guys, not to put shame on anybody. If that's been you or that is you or, or you know someone where that's the case for them, I just want to say, hey, welcome to church. Welcome to the club. Because church, this, this is not a place where all of us kind of like understand God fully. This is not a place where, where God is just saying yes to us all the time. This is a place where we are sitting in the mysteries of God. And if that is you, if, if you're kind of like on the fence of faith right now, or, or if you know somebody who is, like th this is a good question to ask. Like, do you really think that if you run away, if you run away from God, that you're actually going to get any closer to the thing that you wanted from him in the first place? Like, do you think by running away from that no, that that no is somehow, some way going to turn into a yes from you and everything's just going to make sense? Like, I'll give you guys this, like, life with faith, life with God is confusing sometimes. It is a mystery, and the mystery hurts. But a life running away from God, that's just confusing. That's heartbreaking, where, where you have to come up with your own reason for why everything happens, or just settle for the fact that there is no reason why anything happens. That is, is so exhausting. Right? And so whether you're inside the faith or you're out, kind of outside the faith, we, we all struggle with this mystery. We all struggle with this no from God, but we, we have to keep going. We have to keep going and we have to keep hoping. We have to know something in the midst of the no that can kind of get us there. And, and this morning, there are kind of two ideas that I want to present to us, uh, two ideas from the scriptures that can kind of help us with this that can help us kind of know something and find hope in the midst of God's no and just keep going, even when we don't have the answers. And the two things I want us to know are this, is first that no is not all there is. No is not all there is for you right now. There is a purpose for you right now. There, there is an opportunity for you not just to say yes to God, but actually to be the yes to the people around you. And we'll kind of get to how that works. But more than that, even more than that, guys, no is not forever. There is an ultimate yes, an eternal yes, a, a, a glorious yes that, that is waiting for us in Christ Jesus. And if we keep going, we will get there. God will take us there. And so what I want to do with the rest of the time that we have is just kind of look at a couple of instances from the scripture where we kind of see all of this play out. And the first example that comes to us from our scripture reading this morning from Acts chapter 16. Starts like this in verse 6. Paul, Paul and Silas went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Get this, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, just a little context for this and, and why this is going to get really confusing in a minute. Paul and Silas, their job was to be missionaries. And, and like they're like very recently sent on this mission. This is Acts 16. In Acts 15, there was something called the Jerusalem Council. 
And this was kind of a meeting of all the head honchos of the early church, like not just Paul and Silas, but like Peter and James and John, the people who were walking with Jesus. And they were kind of game planning how they were going to get the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And they said, okay, Peter, you're going to go this way. James, you're going to go this way. Uh, Paul and Silas, you're going to go this way and preach the gospel to these people. But eventually, all of us, we have the same purpose. It's, it's to preach the gospel. And so they send Paul and Silas out on this mission. And then almost immediately after Paul and Silas get, get sent out to preach the gospel, God tells them not to preach the gospel. They're passing through this region of Phrygia and Galatia, and the Holy Spirit actually forbids them from speaking the gospel in Asia. Now, some people think this is God telling them, like, okay, don't go into Asia, but if you, if you kind of, I don't have maps, but like if you took a map of the old early church, they're actually going through Asia while this is happening. So this is not God saying, hey, don't go this way. It's like, hey, don't stop. Just keep on going. You're passing cities, passing people who you want to preach to. Do not dare to preach the gospel to them. And if you're Paul and Silas, the people who have just been told by, by everyone, like, hey, you're going to preach the gospel, this has got to be confusing, right? You're like, I thought this was a yes, and now it's a no. Maybe, God, you see something that I don't see. I don't get it, but okay, we'll, we'll keep going, right? And then in verse 8, the same thing happens. When Paul and Silas had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, right? So they're passing through Asia, and they're attempting to go north into Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. And, and I know we've all kind of got, like, different levels of patience, right? But I, but I think at this point, all of us would just be asking that why question of God. Where, where Paul and Silas are like, okay, you literally just told us to go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. We, we get, like, 10 miles, 20 miles outside of Jerusalem, and you're like, don't preach the gospel, don't preach the gospel. Do not tell people about me. And you're like, wait, this is, this is what you told me to do. This is the good thing that you told me to do. And now you're telling me, no, this, this is mixed signals at the very least. And if you're Paul or Silas, you got to be like, God, can you like be a little bit more clear here? Can, can you tell me just, just like yes or no, but not both at the same time? And then this crazy thing happens. We're going on in verse 8. Passing through Mysia, Paul and Silas, they go down to Troas. And of all things, a vision appears to Paul in the night in a dream. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we all sought to go into Macedonia, concluding this, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And here's why this is so crazy. If you're Paul and you're Silas and you've been getting all these mixed signals from God, you'd probably be a little bit hesitant when yes comes back around. You get told yes and then no and then yes and then no. Like those, those no's, you kind of get it. But then when those, those yeses come back along, you're like, you're hesitant. You're like, I, 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 is this really a yes? Can I trust this yes from God? And yet, what does the scripture say? Paul, immediately hearing this cry for help from a man across the Mediterranean Sea, they're going to have to take a boat to get there. He's like, this is who Jesus has called us to. Immediately, Paul gets up, he says yes to the mission, and he goes. And I think that should tell us something about our faith. Because honestly, this is exactly the picture of faith and what faith looks like. It's that even when Paul gets no after no after no, as soon as an opportunity comes to say yes to God, he does it. He makes a beeline for the gospel. Makes a beeline for the people who need to hear the gospel. Why? Because Paul understands this. God wants him to be the yes. 
God wants him to be the one on mission, him the one to bring the hope of nations to the Gentiles, him to be the one who, who gives them joy, who gives them peace in the gospel. He is the one who, who God wants to say yes through. And the same is true with us. When, when we hear no after no after no from God, those yeses can become a little bit ambiguous, a little bit unclear, but we still have to go through with it. We still have a calling. We still have a purpose. And maybe this is the way to put it. We don't have to know God's why when we know our why. We don't have to know the ins and outs of like everything God is trying to do and how he wants to get us there. We just have to remember the mission, why we are called here in the first place. And just a reminder for all of us of what that is, we are called to know Jesus and to make him known wherever we go. We are called to know Jesus and to make him known. And that means saying yes to mission, yes to going out and, and sharing the love of Jesus, the, the life that is in Jesus, the grace, the forgiveness of Jesus to every single person we meet. Why? Because we're all facing no's. Amen, amen. We're all facing no's and we all need a yes from someone and you can be that yes for someone. That is why you are here. Amen, amen. We are called to give hope to people. We are called to remind them of the yes that is theirs in Christ Jesus. And I think the best picture of this hope comes to us in the book of Revelation. Revelation, a lot of us think of it as kind of this, like this mysterious book, and it is. It's, it's kind of wild and wacky, but it's actually John, the apostle, trying to unfold the mysteries of God specifically trying to unfold the promises of God for us in the new kingdom, in the new creation. And, and this is how John describes the new kingdom in Revelation chapter 21. He says, Then I saw it, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And then I saw the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully adorned for her husband. And before we go any further, I just kind of want to set this up a little bit. If you're ever reading your Bible and you want to know where God is saying yes, if you're reading your Bible and you want to know the, the language of yes, the language of God's promises, there's two words you need to look for. It's he will. When you see he will, or maybe he'll say it like I will, depending on how he's speaking, that is God's contract with future reality. It's God saying, hey, I've already signed this and declared it to be true. Like, like this yes is coming. It will be so. No doubt about it. No question about it. And here is the promise that God reveals in Revelation verse 3. He says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And get this, he will dwell with them and they will be his people, and he will be with them as their God. What does that tell us? It means God has not rejected you. He's accepted you. God is not running away from you. He's not setting his face against you. He is pulling you closer to himself, pulling you in his arms and embracing you. That is the promise that when you feel no and you hear no, that there is ultimately a yes for you that still stands in Christ Jesus. That's not even the end of it. This might be the most beautiful yes that I've ever seen from God in verse 4. God says he will. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death will be no more. There will be no more mourning. No more crying. No more pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. 
And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That might be just the most beautiful yes I've ever heard, but strangely, just the most beautiful no I've ever heard too. Where in the end of all things, God says no to that pain, no to that mourning, no more crying. It's just yes in Christ Jesus. God fully accepts us and embraces us. But in order for God to say yes to our eternity, he had to say no. He had to say no to Jesus. And Jesus, of all people, he was the one who constantly said yes to God, right? Lived his life perfectly according to to his law. He was God in the flesh. And yet God still called him to a cross. And before Jesus goes to that cross, there's this episode. He's praying to his father in Gethsemane saying, God, is there another way to get me out of this? Is there a way for me to avoid the pain, avoid the suffering, avoid the reality of this death? And the father looks at the son who he loves. He looks at his son who he wants to glorify and he says, son, no, there's not another way. He says, you are the way. You're gonna go to that cross and sure enough, Jesus says yes to the cross. He submits to the humiliation of it. And three days later, he raises from the dead. And the resurrection of Jesus What it signals to us, what it should always signal is the Father's yes. It's the Father's acceptance of Jesus' payment, his blood on the cross so that he can ultimately say yes to us, so that he can bring us into his family, so that he can bring us into his kingdom, so that our slate can be wiped clean, so that there can be no thing, nothing in heaven and on earth that can separate us from his love. Our final yes is in Jesus. And because our final yes is in Jesus, hear this, we can now be sent off as that yes into this world. We can be on mission together. We can love people together as Christ's church. Amen.